Welcome to Life-Giving Water Messages, where I expound upon the Word of God and, through the internet, deliver it to you. My name is Reverend Todd Laddick, and I'll be bringing to you part two of a seven-part series entitled Drink from the Fountain of Grace, with today's message specifically entitled The Broken Cup, based off of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 5-11. through 11. So let us dive into the Word today. You see... We don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord, and we make ourselves, and we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts so that we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like flat, fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus so that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. Amen. When things break, God can and will bring purpose and beauty out of the brokenness. I'll say that again. When things break, God can and will bring purpose and beauty out of the brokenness. Now, most of you probably know by now that I am a huge fan of horror films, and that may seem perplexing to some who don't get horror films, especially being that I'm a pastor. Like, what what business does a pastor have watching people get hacked down and killed in a horror movie? Well, here's a little secret. Some of the craziest horror stories exist in the Bible, particularly uh, folk horror. Folk as in folks, you know, folk music, folk uh, literature, folk horror. Uh, So particularly folk horror. Don't believe me? Let's examine Judges 19, where a Levite, a priest, in other words, as the Levites were the priestly tribe or caste of Israel, where a Levite was forced to give his concubine over to the town to have their way with her. And when he found her used and abused and half dead on his front stoop in the morning, he cut her up into 12 pieces and scattered her parts all across Israel, a body part for each tribe, so that all of Israel could see the injustice of her being raped. What about the injustice of her being murdered after she was left for dead on the stoop? Horrifying, right? Anyway, there's this film called Midsommar. Now, before I tell you the basic plot, Midsommar, which is Swedish for Midsummer, is a a pagan holy day that is observed uh, throughout Europe on the summer solstice throughout, you know, again, throughout Europe. Um, in Sweden, it was also blended with May Day, uh, which is a, uh, for fertility festivity, a f- fertility observance, uh, and, uh, it was blended with fertility festivities from May Day, such as dancing around a maypole. Um, because Sweden is 
too far to the north to have much greenery or flowers by May. So they 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 opt to celebrate both during Midsummer or Midsommar. Uh, the film Midsommar opens with quite a horrifying scene. A young woman is seen starting a car in a garage. And tubes can be seen coming out of the muffler and into the ventilation system of the home. And the camera then shows the woman going to her room, sitting down on the floor, and, and awaiting eventual asphyxiation from carbon monoxide poisoning. Then the camera fades away from her and through the ventilation system into another room where you see the woman's parents sleeping. And it becomes very clear in that moment she has committed suicide and took her parents with her. This is horrifying and real. Broken people do broken things in this broken world. What makes this scene so horrifying is it happens in real life. We see it. We hear of it happening. Truth be told, that is just the beginning of the brokenness we experience in the movie. The whole movie is about brokenness. And as the film follows an American woman named Danny, who, take, who happens to be the aforementioned suicidal young woman's sister, it follows her as she grieves the loss of her family and tries to cope with the manner in which they died. Can you imagine the horror of that? What's more, she's in a dysfunctional relationship with a self-absorbed guy who sees her as emotional baggage he doesn't need in his life right now. This guy and his friends have planned a trip to Sweden to spend time in some commune, uh, some some pagan commune that does things backward, the backwards way in Europe, you know, and his friends coax him into inviting Danny along with them, and he reluctantly agrees. And when they arrive at the community, they are welcomed in warmly and treated as one of the group, which to these college students feels like the complete opposite of being broken. Yet there is more than meets the eye with this community. And as the story progresses, we get to see the character Danny come to terms with her own brokenness. And then, without giving anything else away, we see her go to the extreme go to extreme lengths to fit in the community and shed herself of her former life. Still, by the end of the film, you have this bad taste in your mouth, for reasons I won't say, as Danny's new world and identity seems just as broken in different ways. Brokenness is a, a part of the human condition. Where we know we can can and should be and do better, but, but things just get in our way. In our congregation, brokenness can be found aplenty. I mean, we have people who struggle with power, people who struggle with status, people living in fear, whether it be fear of change or fear of decline. Name your fear here. Um, we have people who struggle with anxiety, depression, addiction, health-related issues, and everything in between. Every congregation has this. This isn't new. 
It is important to acknowledge that we all go through times of brokenness, whether or not we are in one now. Each one of us has struggled with at least one of the things listed, or if not, some other form of brokenness. So let me ask you this. Have you ever heard of Kintsugi? Kintsugi, which is Japanese for golden joinery, also known as Kintsukuroi, which means golden repair, Kintsukuroi, is the Japanese art of repairing broken pottery by mending the areas of breakage with lacquer dusted or mixed with gold, uh, with powdered gold, silver, or platinum. And as a philosophy, Kintsugi treats breakage and repair as a part of the history of an object rather than something to disguise. The idea and uh, metaphor of Kintsugi can actually be connected to the idea of treasure in clay jars in this passage. The treasure here, of course, is Jesus, crucified and risen, and the ministry of proclaiming good news. Excuse me, and the, and the ministry of proclaiming that good news, that Jesus has been crucified and risen. That's the treasure. As human beings, we, like clay jars, are fragile. I'll say that again. We, as human beings, like clay jars, are fragile. And yet God chooses us as vessels to carry the good news of the gospel, as we see in verse 7. The fragility and brokenness of our humanity are mirrored in Jesus' suffering on the cross. In the story of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, we see that God works through what is broken. In our suffering, Jesus is with us. Amen? But Jesus was also raised from the dead, overcoming suffering. Just as Jesus is with us in our suffering, so do we get to participate in the new life of Jesus as we see in verse 10. So, yes, it comes through suffering in some ways. And, and, and Jesus is with us in our suffering. But because Jesus is with us, it also leads us to a, a life, the, the new life of Jesus that is without suffering. Verse 8 and 9 describe what this looks like. Even though we are broken, afflicted, perplexed, persecuted, and struck down, God puts us back together and does not let our brokenness define us, not crushed, not driven to despair, not forsaken, not destroyed. For the life of Jesus to be made visible in our bodies does not mean that we or our jars become fixed and smooth like they were never broken. Holding the life and death of Jesus in our bodies at the same time means we have gold seams, like in Kintsugi. The extraordinary power that we hear about in verse 7 of putting us back together, creating life from and within death, that all belongs to God. The clay jars of our lives, broken and repaired, are evidence of God's work in and through us. So I want you to think about that. Look back and think about all of the brokenness you've experienced in your life and look at where you're sitting today. It's by the power of God that you have been living both in the death and the life of Jesus. 
And we can trust that no matter what happens, God will never, ever abandon us. This gives us hope in the face of death and suffering. Life is always at work. The light shines out of the darkness, as it says in verse 6. So remember, this passage is not just about being broken but not destroyed. It is about being made a part of God's plan for redemption. We, we, my friends, are kintsugi pieces in God's art gallery. Or to put it plainly, the way God is working in us, bringing life from death, is a testimony or witness to others. Because people see it on display. One quick note. We don't have to go looking for suffering or glorify suffering. Brokenness and suffering is a part of life. It will happen. It will happen, whether we seek it or not. Jesus works in spite of and through our brokenness. Where are places that you need healing? Where do you need the gold poured in. At the beginning of this Lenten journey, identify where you are going to invite God's healing, God's gold, into your life. How can you open yourself up to the healing God is offering this Lenten season? How will you allow God to fill your cup and pour into you? I invite you to make space this week to check in with yourself, to acknowledge places of brokenness you might not have acknowledged or been aware you were carrying. We need to be aware in order to intentionally invite God in. And please, please know, pastorally speaking, please know, if you ever need some person to listen to and walk through listen to you and walk through the brokenness with you i'm always available you can reach out to me via social media private message on social media or uh via my email uh you're more than welcome to reach out to that if you if you know it um and uh and again through social media you know if you reach out to me i'll be glad to contact you and we can we can talk privately that's why i'm here so whether you're part of my congregation or not Uh, know that if you are ever in need of someone to walk through uh, the brokenness with you and you don't have someone, I'm here for you. Or if you are attending another church and you have somebody to talk through it with you there, then they're available for you to talk to. You, You should talk to people about your brokenness. This isn't something we need to go alone. No one needs go this alone. That's why we are the church as opposed to a single, lonely, isolated person. I want all of us to consider uh, committing to spiritual disciplines this Lenten season. Of course, there's prayer, Bible study, worship, mission work, and all sorts of disciplines to choose from. But many may not know how to pray, read the Bible, or even where to begin. So I say start there. Commit to reading scripture and praying each day. There are plenty of devotions you can use 
and uh, to go through, uh, and you can use and go through for free on Bibleway on BibleGateway.com. That's BibleGateway.com. There's plenty of devotions you can go through there and use, and and there are really powerful ways to pray. For example, the Examen, a form of praying developed by Saint Ignatius uh, Loyola uh, of Spain in the 16th century A.D., is a a powerful tool for identifying where God's healing is needed in our lives and where God is working in our lives. So look that up, uh, the examen, E-X-A-M-E-N. It's an, an ancient prayer, real not that ancient, 16th century, old enough, but it, it's, it's a prayer that, um, that uh, was developed and is a powerful tool. And I think I have left a link in, this, in, in my sermon handout as well as um, in the notes of these, um, in the notes of this uh, this uh, podcast, I've left the link uh, which is posted on our website where you can where you where and can be found there under worship, uh, praying the exam and following Jesus in our daily lives. I have that link up. It's through the United Methodist Church, so it's legit. And also, this uh, discipline will will help you discern where God's healing is needed in our local community and in our world. But let us put God first in all that we do. And let's really begin to discipline ourselves to listen to God and discern what God is calling us to do as Christians, serving our beloved Newton, New Jersey, or wherever in the world you live. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you and praise you for this opportunity to be here and to be worshiping you. Uh, help guide us so that we may begin to allow our brokenness not to define who we are, but to witness to who you are as people see it repaired and see it in all of your glory. In these things we pray, in Jesus' name, amen. Friends, remember, as always, I'm more than glad and, and excited to bring these messages to you. Hopefully they're challenging you and inspiring you. And check out the episode notes in which I'll put the link to the uh, prayer, the examine prayer. And uh, also I'll put my, um, I'll put my Twitter uh, uh, handle on there so that you can reach out to me via social media if you would like to. That's always available. But remember, friends, you are richly blessed. So be a blessing to others. Go in peace.